0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. So this is uh, this is pretty exciting, isn't it? Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Yeah, give it up for the Lord. Let's do that. Let's give it up. We're thankful. So thankful. Very exciting time. We thank the Lord for His grace upon us. We are... A very, very blessed people. This is probably, well, this is the second time we've been able to do this in this way in the history of our church, at least like this. And for that, again, we don't take it for granted. And um, I don't plan to be super long right now, but I plan to be super clear that the whole reason we're here right now is all because of Jesus Christ. Everything, everything here today, this hope together, our theme is Jesus is awesome. Um, It's all because of Jesus Christ. This church exists because of Jesus Christ. Every song, every prayer, every baptism, every person here exists because of Jesus Christ. So every single aspect of here right now is for, is for Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? And that is so true. And that is so true. So let me just take a moment to pray right now in that uh, theme. Jesus Christ, this is for you. We bow ourselves low before you. None like you. You are the Son of God, majestic. You're the Holy One. You're the Savior, Redeemer. You're the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We worship you and love you. All this is for you. All of this is for you. You are real. You came to earth. You lived. You died. You rose from the dead. And one day soon you are returning. Oh Lord, may you work. I just imagine the hundreds and thousands of different stories represented here today. Would you speak? Would you interact? Would you move? Would you transform as only you can? Lord Jesus, we need you. We seek you. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. If you agree, you can say... Amen. Amen. Please open your Bibles if you can to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 today, excited for this text. I thought it was very fitting as we end our ministry year here, again, with this theme that Jesus is awesome. By the way, my name is Robbie Simons, one of the pastors here, and delighted to do so. Hebrews 1, uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 1, says this. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers, listened by the prophets. But here's the transition here. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. That's Jesus Christ. Listen, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of God's nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for our sins, the only one who could, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Verse 1 explains to us that many centuries, God spoke to his people regarding God's truth and regarding God's love. How did God do that? He raised up prophets to declare his name, his way, and again, his love. But these prophets ultimately were raised up to point to another who would come. All the prophets throughout the Old Testament ultimately are speaking to the ultimate one, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who would come forever to change the world. So it says in our text, again, in verse verse 2, it was this Son, the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, who would be sent by God and the world would be forever changed. It was this, quote, son, capital S-O-N, son of God, who would be the perfect word of God. Now think of it this way. Jesus as the word of God is the perfect expression of God and the definition of God here on earth. When God desired to perfectly communicate his heart to a lost and broken world, how did he communicate his heart perfectly? He sent his son. The father would speak to us perfectly by his son, Jesus Christ, and the world would never again be the same as long again as Jesus Christ Came. It is said so often, this quote by James Allen Francis, which is so encouraging. He said this, consider this about Jesus of Nazareth. Here is a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30 Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. Listen, he never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never owned a home. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He had nothing to do with this world except the naked power of his divine manhood. While still a young man, the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through a mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. His executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth while he was dying. And that was his coat. When he was dead, he was taken down and laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. 19, 20 now, wide centuries have come and gone today, and this man is the centerpiece of the human race and the leader of the column of progress. Francis ends with this. I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched and all the navies that were ever built and all the parliaments that ever sat and all the kings that ever reigned Put them all together, and they have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as that one solitary life, Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. Can I get an amen to that? That's just historical fact, by the way. You don't need to believe in the Bible to understand this is historically true. Here's the question How is this possible? How is it possible that one man so obscure, in some ways so cast aside, murdered for his righteousness, could be the most important person who has ever lived and the world would never be the same? Here's how this is possible because Jesus Christ is awesome. And what I want to do from our text today is to show us briefly seven reasons why Jesus is world-changing, awesome again, from the Bible, the word of God that points to the word of God, Jesus Christ. Our goal today is eyes up. Our goal today is hearts full. Our goal today is praise loud. Our goal today is full glory to Jesus. Reason number one in our text that Jesus Christ is awesome and no one is like him is because this, number one, Jesus is the heir of all things. So notice in verse two, it says that God appointed Jesus to be the heir of all things. The entire universe, according to this verse, belongs to Jesus Christ. This is why he's the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. This is why the Bible says he is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. Jesus Christ holds all dominion and authority. There is one son. And so therefore there is one heir. Think about that, Jesus Christ, the heir of all things. And one day soon, he will return to earth to confirm his ultimate and supreme reign. Right now, Satan has temporarily been given reign over this world as the prince of the power of the air. But let's be honest, when it comes to Satan, he's a puppet of God. He can only do what God allows him to do. And one day very soon, Jesus Christ is going to return in his full display of awesome, supreme, divine glory. And he will declare, Satan is gone. Satan is done. Evil is vanquished. And Jesus Christ will reign perfectly forever among us because he is awesome. Reason number two why he is awesome, Jesus is creator. In verse two, it says, through whom... He, Jesus, created the world. Jesus is awesome. So Christ is our savior. Jesus Christ is our creator. Have you thought about that? Jesus is savior. Yes, we know that. We think about that a lot. Have we thought about that Jesus Christ is creator? In John 1, it says, all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. All things made through him. Colossians 1 says, all things were created through him, listen, and for him. Explicit statements that Jesus Christ is the creator of all things. So we have John here in John 1. We have Paul, the apostle Paul in Colossians 1. We have the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 1. All making categorical statements that Jesus Christ is the creator of all things. Think, from the smallest ant to the greatest star, Jesus Christ is the creator of everything. And by the way, I looked it up this week. Do you know that there are 900,000 different species of insects that are known at this time, give or take another 100,000 or so? Did you know too, the number of stars is estimated to be one times 10 to the power of 22. How much is that? A lot, a lot. In a number, 10 billion trillions. Again, scientists estimate Jesus Christ created every single one. In Psalm 139, it says that everyone who is alive were born from their mother's womb. We are knitted together with intricacy and perfection in the womb of our mother. Every cell represented here, every exact detail, every heartbeat, every breath right now, and exhale is because of Jesus Christ. He is Awesome. And when you see the creation of the world, the design all around us shouts designer. A.K. Morrison, a brilliant scientist, he said this, that the conditions for life on earth demand so many billions of minute, interrelated circumstances appearing simultaneously in the same infinitesimal moment that such a prospect becomes beyond belief and beyond possibility. There is no way this is by chance right now. There is no way this earth and universe is by chance. Everything shouts design because there's a designer and his name is Jesus Christ and he is awesome. Our text just getting started here. Reason, want to clap for that? Amen, amen. Reason reason number three, the text says, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. It's exactly what our text says here today. What does that mean? It means this. The perfection, listen carefully, the perfection of the Father is seen in the glory of Jesus Christ in the perfection of the Son. Charles Spurgeon put it this way, so as light is to the Son, Jesus is to the glory of God. So what that means then All the glory of God is seen in the person of Jesus Christ. Not half, not most, not 99%, 100% of the radiance of God's glory is seen in Jesus Christ. In Scripture, we get a tiny glimpse sometimes at the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. He shines his glory and people fall down. Peter in the boat gets a glimpse of the glory when the fish are caught. He sees his sinfulness and he sees the glory of Christ. Peter falls down. In the garden of Gethsemane, when the soldiers come to arrest Jesus, they say, we are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus says in John's gospel, I am he. And the soldiers fall over at the mention that Jesus just says, I am he. When Jesus shines People drop, and one day soon Jesus Christ will return in His full display of awesome glory. And the Bible tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is awesome. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Amen. You want to clap for that? And clap for that too. Way to go, church! We should clap for this stuff. That is awesome. Reason number four, we're moving along. Reason number four, Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature. It says that right in our text again. William MacDonald says this, in every conceivable way, Christ exactly represents the Father. Charles Spurgeon says, whatever God is, Christ is. Whatever God is, Jesus Christ is so much more than a moral teacher, so much more than a good prophet, so much more than someone to follow after. He is God himself. Colossians 2.9 says that in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. That is why then everyone who truly, truly by faith stares in the face of Jesus Christ, they will see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 4, right? This is why if you truly encounter Jesus Christ, you cannot remain the same. Like every baptism today, every testimony, when you truly meet Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the exact imprint of the nature of God, you will not stay the same. You cannot. He has come to transform and save and give life. Reason number five that Jesus is awesome, he upholds the universe. Verse three continues, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. What glory, what strength, what marvelous mind-blowing might. You know, the... The world of science marvels at the properties of the universe, which are ultimately unexplainable to humanity. Scientists marvel at the mass, the power, the extent, the vastness, the seemingly infinite properties of the universe. And what humanity is left doing, they are left feeling very, very small, very, very humbled, and very, very dumbfounded when they truly peer into the vastness of the universe. And our text says today, Jesus upholds it all. I've always marveled at what John MacArthur says about this kind of example. He says this the way that our universe operates. He says, consider for example what instant destruction would happen if the earth's rotation slowed down just a little. The sun has a surface temperature of 12,000 degrees Fahrenheit. If it were any closer, we would all burn up. If it were any farther, we would freeze. Our globe is tilted on an exact angle of 23 degrees, providing us four seasons. If it were not so tilted, vapors from the ocean would move north and south and develop into monstrous continents of ice. If the moon did not retain its exact distance from the earth, the ocean tides would inundate the land completely twice a day. And after the first flooding, of course, the others would not matter as far as we would be concerned. If the ocean floors were merely a few feet deeper than they are, the carbon dioxide and oxygen balance of the earth's atmosphere would be completely upset and no animal or plant life could exist. If our atmosphere did not remain at its present density, but thinned out even a little, many of the meteors which now harmlessly burn up when they hit the atmosphere would instantly bombard us. We would have to live underground or in meteor-proof buildings. Jesus Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power because Jesus Christ is awesome. The infinite design and upholding of the universe is not by chance. It's by Christ. He upholds the universe. And listen, every single person who belongs to Jesus Christ, he also upholds you for all of eternity. You will never die. You never have to worry. You are safe and secure forever. This is what Jesus Christ came to do. He is that awesome. And all of that now leads to this in reason number six. The author of Hebrews now takes a turn towards how it impacts us. Reason number six why Jesus is awesome. Jesus purifies our sins. Stop and think. Who's that for today? Jesus purifies our sins. Verse three, after making purification for our sins, isn't it a wonder this God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God himself, in astounding glory that we just went through. This supreme, authoritative, awesome, again, sovereign God, matchless. Isn't it a wonder, this transcendent God. When I say transcendent God, he is so far above us. He is holy, we are sinful. This transcendent, awesome, holy God, in his love and staggering humility and imminence, his willingness to dwell with us in loneliness. He comes, becomes a human being, lives a perfect life, is murdered by his very own creation that he might die for you and me because only he can make purification for our sins. What kind of God leaves his glory? What kind of God leaves his Glory, not just to come to earth, but to die for those whom he created. What kind of God does that? An awesome God, a loving God, a gracious God, a merciful God, a compassionate God, a wondrous God, a beautiful God, the only God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the glory of God, came to this earth to live and die that he might cleanse us from our sins, what we could never, ever do for ourselves. See, Jesus and Jesus alone was pure. You and I are not pure. I sin every day. It's my greatest problem. Without Jesus Christ, I'm done. I'm dead. I have no chance. I need Jesus Christ, and so do you. This is why when John the Baptist saw Jesus come and walking towards him, John the Baptist said correctly, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why the Lamb of God? Jesus is the sacrifice of God to purify us from our sins. He takes away the sins of the world for all who believe and love and have faith in him. Jesus Christ alone is our answer to our greatest problem of sin. You heard that today again and again through the testimonies of baptism. You hear it again today in the word of God. It's so true, it's so true that we have one of two options in this life. Option one is this, for all of us, all people ever lived. option one is this, either we pay the penalty for our sin resulting in eternal death and separation from God, or we receive the payment that Jesus Christ made for us, for the purification of our sins and receive everlasting life. We have one or two options. Every human being who's ever lived has one or two options. We can pay the penalty for sin by dying forever. Or we can receive the payment that Jesus Christ made for us by the purification of our sins, by grace and faith, not by working, by believing, by accepting, by receiving his grace and therefore receiving everlasting life, never to die again. Jesus is awesome because he died for our sins And reason number seven, our last one, is this. Jesus now sits at the highest place of exaltation. If you look at the end of verse three there, it says, and Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The right hand is the place of honor. It's the place of power. Uh, Majesty on high, of course, here is God the Father. He sat down at the place of honor before God the Father. Jesus Christ has been exalted to the highest possible place of honor, authority, and, And power. Notice in the text it says he sat down. Why does it say he sat down? It's because his work was complete. It's because it is finished. Jesus Christ paid for sin on the cross, his work was done. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He, right now, this is where we are in terms of the history of, again, our salvation. Jesus Christ is right now at the right hand of God the Father in perfect rest, in perfect glory. And perfect exaltation, and from here now, here here, listen, listen, listen. Again, who's this for here today? Here now, he awaits the command of his father. Well he will return in his full display of glory. And very soon we will all see. we will all see. Some will wail at his coming because they do not belong to him and they've rejected him. Others will absolutely rejoice. Because here comes their Savior and the God of glory riding on the clouds. Very soon, we will behold his power at any moment. You ever imagine what it's going to be like? I imagine all the time. What's it going to be like when Jesus Christ, when the trumpet sounds and he comes riding on the clouds? And the whole world stops, whatever they're doing. The stock markets don't matter. Buying a new home doesn't matter. The job doesn't matter. Saving money doesn't matter. Being better at golf doesn't matter. Attending your kids' sports doesn't matter. All of that instantly means nothing. And all, you, all that matters is you look up in the sky and say, there is the glory of God and the savior of the world and the ruler of the entire universe. And the only thing that matters is where do I stand with him? What a moment that's going to be. What a moment that's going to be. So here's the question today, though. Here's the question. I imagine it's so good to be together as one church. What an awesome sight to behold from my vantage point. It's true. I'm so thankful, so humbled by this. Here's the question. We end with all. Jesus Christ is awesome. He's the only hope we have. He's the way to salvation. He's the very picture of God and person of God. Are you ready for the return of Jesus? Like today, if he came or you died, are you ready? Are you ready? Meaning. Do you belong to Jesus Christ? Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved in Jesus Christ, that your sins are forgiven? Not by works, not by trying harder, not by trying to be a perfect person, that's impossible. By receiving the payment of sins that Jesus Christ made for you, by believing in him, loving him, and accepting the grace and gift that he has offered to you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Maybe you're here today for this point right now. You're here today that your life will change forever because the first time you've accurately heard who Jesus is and what he's done for you and what he offers to you, it's free. It's free. But you must believe to receive the gift of salvation. Do you know where you're going? You can know 100% right now for you by the Holy Spirit of God and the love of God. Listen, you're here today because he loves you. He loves you more than you can ever imagine his grace upon you, his mercy, again, his compassion, his forgiveness, his tenderness. He reaches out to you and says, do you not want to be saved? I'm the only one who can do it through my son, Jesus Christ. You receive that gift. Lord, I believe. Lord, I I confess my sin. Lord, I believe that you are the answer to everlasting life. You are now Lord of my life. Oh, Lord Jesus, would you set me free from sin and cause me to be saved forever forever? You say a prayer, something like that, that is sincerely, and the Bible says, you will be saved and you shall never, ever die again. And the rest of your eternal life has just started right here, right now, today. Are you ready? I pray you will be ready. We have a whole uh, table over here with the white covering right over here, the two white coverings right there, of Bibles and Gospel of John, so that they'll be there for many, many, many minutes after the service today. I encourage you, go over there. Uh, get a Bible for free. We'd love to talk to you and love you, pray for you here at the front, whatever it might be. If the Lord is working your heart today, man, do not harden your heart today if you hear his voice. So are we ready for his return? And the last question is, because Jesus is awesome, are we ready to praise his name? Are we ready to praise his name? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Lord Jesus Christ, receive our praise. Amen, church. Maybe, um, Let's just stand together and let's just pray right now. Let's just do that worship team. You guys can come on up. Let's do that. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, there is none like you You are the radiance of the glory of God. You are the creator of the world. You are the exact imprint of the nature of God. You are the heir of all things. You uphold the universe by the word of your power. You are the same God who made purification for our sins. You are exalted to the highest possible place right now. And one day soon, you are returning soon. There's no one like you, Jesus. This is all for you. This is all for you. As we started, we end. Every song, every prayer, every life exists because of you. This response right now is for you. We love you. We worship you. We serve you. We bow before you. We need you. And we exalt the powerful, wonderful name of Jesus Christ now. Yes, Lord, receive the glory that you alone are due. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, church. Amen. Let's give him glory. Amen. Amen.